So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life. The only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details. Hello, and welcome to Everyday Connection Now with your hosts, Nikki Leach and Richard O'Shields, bringing your inner light to your everyday life. Welcome, everybody, to this edition of Everyday Connection Now. I am uh, yet again, or still even, Richard O'Shields, and uh, we're left over there, that away. Nikki Leach, how are you, Nikki? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Good. I know. I'm a little sad. You're a little sad. Well, we lost a great comedian today. A great performer in so many ways. Yeah. But, you know, there have been a, several great performers that have gone home lately. I was starting to think probably George was having a review or something. Putting on a show. I know, right? <clears throat> <laughs> bring them all home. Bring them all home. Yeah. Yeah, started in the 40s and 50s. Mm-hmm. And kept right on going, really. He was Mickey before Mickey was Mickey, I think. <laughs> Indeed, absolutely. Mickey Rooney is the one you're talking about. Yeah, did I well, miss one? I don't, did, okay. we, did we lose anybody else? Well, I, I don't know. I didn't know no. we were. I said it, and it was like okay. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yes, Mickey Rooney. 93 years old, and uh, certainly a very, very full life and lots of laughs and entertainment. And Good argument for uh, laughter laughter being healing, I would think. Absolutely. Spend a lifetime laughing. Spend a lifetime laughing, live to 93, and, you know, live through a, a period of time when people, you know, work out, health, what? Give me a, give me a Big Mac, you know, type thing. So, uh, yeah, very awesome stuff. There have been there have been a lot of great entertainers, entertainers. Well, you know, if you're going to stumble over your tongue, you might as well just go ahead and fall right on your face, and then you can probably talk for the Absolutely. rest of the show. Absolutely. But uh, yeah, a lot of great entertainers have decided to uh, hightail it. You know, they're like, oh, these people don't need to laugh anymore. They're catching on, so I'm going home. <laughs> Going home so I can come back in time to see what happens. Brian, trade this in for one of those, you know, new model body things. Yeah. Yeah, but we digress. The celebrity stuff. We've had celebrity stuff that I posted on your wall. I I just found that so 
funny and at the same time sort of heartwarming and encouraging and stuff. Absolutely, absolutely. That we're not the only uh, ones. I'm aiming to get to talk to her. Yeah. She's on my wish list. George, are you listening? Not to say that she wasn't before. She's been, I mean, absolutely amazing lyrics in her songs and message in her her life, just the way that she lives. And but yeah, that was a pretty Uh, awesome quote. Human evolution goes on because of conversation and dialogue. Yeah. Yeah. Lannis Morissette. Lannis Morissette, and um, yeah, I loved her music and. she had some interesting things too to say about that creative process and and the healing power of music and stuff. So, uh, yeah, she would be awesome to talk to. But it's, so many humans are awesome. They are. You they had a thing. Are. You had a thing. I had a thing. It was an interesting encounter. Yes, um, I was I was in the grocery store the other day, and it was this crazy long lineup in the the fast lane. Like, to the point where I think we ended up waiting for about 20 minutes. And there was an Asian lady. (laughs) Right? So this is like the the one to eight items lane, you know, where you're expected, you're in and you're out, you're you're right. So we have this lady in front of us, and she's Asian, and she has um, gorgeous lady, just beautiful. (laughs) I love their eyes and skin, and it's beautiful. But she had, like... I don't know, must have been like 12 or 13 items in her cart. No big deal, because I'm figuring we're waiting anyways. At this point, like the poor lady behind the counter is just overwhelmed and swamped. And, of course, she's also responsible for anybody returning bottles or, you know, I mean, it's just like the ah, poor thing. So you got to feel for her, first of all. But then I, I have this elderly woman behind me, and I notice she's really, like, getting angsty. Like She's having trouble with her basket and... Um, so I can tell she's getting really tired and Mm. we finally get up to the counter and we're next in line and she's mumbling under her breath and this and this go on a little bit. I could tell that the other lady could hear her and it was bothering her. Right. And I mean, we don't know what the woman's story is. Maybe she's got frigging kids and a husband waiting in the car. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like who am I to judge? Whatever, maybe her boss sent her out and said, like, you've got to get this stuff, you've got to get it now, get it as fast as you can, get back here. I, I don't know. So, and besides, it's a minute to take take a breather, right? Like, out of the hurrying of your day, if you could just stand in line and, hey, I have an excuse like to be still for a minute. Yes. So, it was, it was one of those situations where I could have kept my mouth shut, but I don't know. I just, so I turned to to the woman behind me and I just kind of cocked my head at her and I said, is it worth it? And she looked at me and then she, you could see the wheels turning in her and she looks at me and she, no, no, it's not. And I said, perfect. Awesome. I said, here, give me your basket. And I took her basket from her, and I put it put it on the thing, and I took her basket, and so she wouldn't have to carry it anymore. I said, look, you, you know, I, I, she said, thank you so much. I said, well, I noticed you, you look tired. And she said, yes, I am. And I said, okay. So now you're at the counter, and you have an opportunity. You can just lean against the counter and rest. 
And the shock on her face, like the absolute shock, because I'm not 40 yet, and many people have accused me of only looking like I'm in my early 30s, late 20s. So, and she's, I mean, she had to be in her 70s, right? Right. But she went from, just because all I did was ask her, is it worth it? And then take the basket from her and just strike up a conversation to distract her. She went from being really annoyed to chatting up the lady at behind the counter when we finally got there to telling everybody in the line to have a great day. And you know what I mean? Like her, her attitude just totally, as soon as she took just a moment to think about it. Right. And she had been back behind me like bitching, whining, and chewing, really, um, and getting louder by the minute for about 10 minutes. And you could see it was going to erupt in something because <laughs> the poor woman who's trying to get her groceries in front of me is just like, you know, you can see the, the guilt on her face, and she's feeling guilty Looking like and angry. Looking like the deer in the headlights. Yeah. yeah, like I'm, <laughs> I'm busted. Um, and I'm feeling really bad for both of these women because now they're both going to have a really crappy day. And I'm like, no, no <laughs> not no. on my watch. Damn you. <laughs> not on my planet. <sighs> but it ended, up, um, it ended up turning out to be just an awesome experience because the lady behind the counter got a chance to, you know, the the woman behind me cracked a joke, so the lady behind the counter got a chance to 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 laugh. Um, it just totally changed the dynamic of of the energy while we were waiting in line. So absolutely, I'm thinking that there is a time and a place to not keep your mouth shut, because I I was standing there thinking I I should say something, and then I'm thinking no, who am I to say anything, right? Like, right. who am yeah. I to stick my nose into this woman's experience? And I shouldn't do that. But at the same time, I, then I thought about it. I'm like, but this is my experience, damn it. And I want to have a positive one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm the one here having this experience. I'm having this experience. Absolutely. Feeling like um, you're... So sometimes, well, you, you probably felt like you were, you know, poor Ukraine stuck between, you know, Russia and Europe. Or you know something <laughs> oh, like that. Oh yeah, well I mean it was absolutely <laughs> ridiculous, and I thought I thought to myself, you know, I mean, she, like she's going to listen to me, um, especially since I have the habit of wearing my headscarves when I go into town, and I should point out that I am not Muslim. However, I really like the Shayla style of the headscarf, and um, I feel quite. I I I started wearing them in in the winter. And, but quite frankly, I feel quite naked now when I go out without them. So I go out without them. I, I, I wear them to town even when I don't need the scarf um, to keep me warm. It's just I feel naked if I'm not wearing the bloody thing, which is strange. But it is what it is. And um, But this is a, a, a Catholic community, so I get a lot of looks still here. And so here, I'm thinking, I'm standing in line, and I'm thinking, oh, jeez. You know, (laughs) what am I getting myself into? Right, because she's already in a bad mood. Am I going to make it worse? But it turned out to be a really beautiful, uplifting experience for everybody involved, including the woman in front of me who ended up leaving not feeling so bad. Yeah, because all of a sudden somebody was had stopped sending her negative stuff. And had focused on something positive, so yeah, hopefully her day went better as well. Virtual daggers at her. 
with their eyes and yeah. that sort of thing. Because we're right. good at that so, as humans, you know, because we, we, well, there, we is a, be. there is a deeper communication that goes on. And, and uh, so there are some things like, you know, I'm going to kill you given the opportunity uh, or <laughs> I love you, either one extreme that um, can be communicated without words. You know, <clears throat> I've gotten that before in line and because I'll just be silly. I don't people think I'm silly on the radio. I'm just silly. I don't. But I mean, so so that's you know the lesson for today. Is sometimes it's okay to say something, and sometimes you know if if the people around you are being wonky, there's nothing wrong with doing your best to to try and shift it. You know what I mean? I mean, we talk to people, we say all the time, just smile at strangers. Sometimes it takes a little more than smile. Sometimes it takes some gentle words and a little reminder. Um, and it really doesn't matter how young or old you are. Um, if the wisdom is in your heart to give that reminder and, and you're being called to do so, then open your mouth yeah. and just say something. Say the words that are in your heart at the moment. Don't try to Absolutely. You know, copy any, yeah. whether it's this conversation or something you read in a book, because you're not in that spot. It, you know, Be in the now and just... Because you'd be yeah. amazed how sometimes even, you know, is it worth it? That almost could be taken as confrontational. But it was the right thing. Oh, it was the it, perfect words in the time, in the moment. It was exactly moment. what I needed to say because it stopped her in her tracks long enough for her to, like, she really, I think she was so shocked that this little young whippersnipper was asking her such a, a bold question that she took a moment and then she thought about it. And when she thought about it, she was like, no, it's not. Why the hell am I letting this woman ruin my day? <laughs> Yeah, because that's, that's how we... I don't we, know, lady, why are you? We get on the hamster wheel of thought, and it becomes hard to stop, you know? Mm-hmm. And sometimes that jarring something that makes you just stop for a minute, and you go, oh, yeah, this is silly, isn't it? Oh, well, so, say, how are you? Nice scarf, by the way. And on you go. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, speaking of just a word here or a... Speaking of nice scarves, our guest tonight is knitting me one. (laughs) Oh, my. And you didn't know that, but nice segue. I knew nothing. I know. How cool is that? I seem to know less every day. (laughs) But um, goodness gracious, what do we say about Kate? We just have to say that... She's awesome? Yeah, the awesome Kate Pennington. Welcome, Kate. How are you doing? Hi, Richard. Hi, Nikki. Hi. So glad you could carve some time out to join us. Uh, well, I would say this evening, but it's this morning there. It's actually tomorrow there, I should think. It's um, yeah, nearly 11 o'clock in the morning, Tuesday. Yeah, yeah 11 o'clock in the morning on Tuesday. It's still just Monday here. So we're not sure we're going to make it. So I'm glad you're kind enough to go first. I'm, I'm your future. We always love to tell you, the world's not going to end on Monday because, look, it's Tuesday over there and everything's fine. <laughs> it's absolutely true. So what happens, you know, in, in that end-of-the-world scenario? Does Australia bite it first and then it just kind of snowballs from there? Like, <laughs> Is it a domino thing? Is it how does this time work anyway? It's very confusing. 
It's it's weird, isn't it? It is. It is a little yeah, I think it's I gotta, mm. Yeah, when you travel and you leave home and you leave home on Friday and then you get to another country and it's Friday again. Yeah. It's a weird feeling. Yeah. 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 It happened when I when I left the uh when I left Canada to go to the Philippines. Because they're the future. I actually skipped the 13th. So I left oh. Canada on the 12th of February. And I landed on the 14th. And I actually skipped the 13th. <laughs> yeah, because you were in the air a long time, but it wasn't that long. Yeah, it was It was really weird. Totally weird time. What does it all mean? I don't know. You know, somebody saw the sun going around and said, oh, let's cut that up. We'll call that a day. <laughs> We've been trying to call it a day ever since. Oh. <laughs> so, Kate, we have a big question for you to start the show. Mm-hmm. Are you ready? I'm ready. Uh, okay. What's the big question? Who on earth are you and what do you do? <laughs> Is that it? <laughs> Okay, what I do is I've built a not-for-profit anti-bullying service. And um, so basically what I do is try and prevent suicide, um, not just with teenagers but adults as well, but focus mainly on the young ones. So I've created free support groups and courses, uh, social club and that type of thing. And give the kids skills and empower them to um, face up to bullies and, and not be bullied and and take the ultimate um, way out that seems to be really... Uh, a lot of teenagers in Australia are choosing to do and um, choosing suicide as an answer to escape all the trauma and torment of, um, of being bullied. So basically that's, that's what I'm doing. And I built it because of my brother originally. Um, he was only 17 when he was being told he wasn't good. Being that young and being told that over and over and over again, um, it, yeah, there is no other way to think other than to think, well, it's, um, it's not worth being here if I'm no good. and. Um, and that's what a lot of teenagers do. So what I try to do is change their thinking, change what they've been told, all those um, negativities, and build them back up to uh, stand up for themselves and um, and believe in themselves again. So that's who I am and what I do. And, and your brother isn't the only experience that you've had, though, is it? Oh, gosh, no. Because you've had some very personal experiences yourself with bullying. Mm-hmm. Not that losing your brother isn't a, an extremely personal experience, um, but but it goes it goes above and beyond that that exposure at an mm-hmm. early age. This is something that has kind of it, it's almost been listening to listening to some of your story, and I'm usually not supposed to know what's going on or what you do, but. Listening to some of your story, it seems to be that this has been a lifelong calling for you. 
I think so. Um, I truly believe the experiences I've had throughout my life um, have been for a reason to create this. And um, yeah, I had a pretty rough time as a child, um, colic father and so forth. Experience workplace bullying, and there's a lot of bullying in Australia today, and I don't know why. But the workplace bullying was um, really bad for me, and I ended up losing everything I owned um, just from bullying within the workplace. I ended up because um, mine was physical as well as psychological, and ended up with a broken. So I couldn't work, and even though the government here supplies a lot of um, welfare support and so forth to people, um, it still wasn't enough to cover the cost of living here and um, and the rent and so forth. So I ended up out on the street, a bag lady, and um, so I went from an independent lady with a nice home and I was studying part time uh, university criminal law at the night at night time and. Um, and I went from all of that to um, to nothing, basically, and had to fight my way back out of that. And, uh, and, and I'm sorry I brought it up, but, but the reason I bring it up is because when we talk about bullying so often, we think in terms of young people who, who take their lives um, to, to get away from it. Uh, and we, and we, we think about it in the school environment and out on the streets and, and we think, you know, gangs and, and hoodlums and, and, and bullies in school. And certainly, you know, we, we lost a friend in high school as well um, due to bullying. So, you know, I, I understand the seriousness of that. However, what's not often discussed is the adult bullying that takes place within the workplace. And I've been a victim, and I, I know many others who've been victims. And it, it, it's just, it's not talked about. And I, I think it should be. I think it should be acknowledged so that people can, can be aware that it can take place and that these people who are bullies when they're young, and this is something else that you do that's unique, and we'll get into that, but um, bullies who, who are not, are not, healed when they're young because ultimately bullies really are, are doing what they do because they're hurting as well. Um, they mm -hmm. turn into adult bullies and adult bullies are extremely dangerous. Yes. In their own right. They're like more, yeah, they become like a psychopath. They have no emotion, no feelings. They don't care. They just, they're out to destroy you and that's what they, they won't stop until they actually do when they're adults. Yeah, and it, it, it has often been sort of portrayed to me anyway that, you know, with teenagers or young young ones, it's like, well, they're not ready for that and they're, they can't, you know. But if you say anything about it as an adult uh, in a, a situation like that, it's, you know, well, what, you can't stick up for yourself? What are you, some kind of wimp? You know, as if it's okay all of a sudden if you're an adult. And that's ridiculous. I don't know where that came from. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, how tough do you have to be to go to work and, and type a letter and conduct a meeting or whatever else you do? Um, 
how tough do people have to be? And quite a lot often people will say, oh, you're too sensitive. Well, if a person's sensitive, that's the way they are. If they're an introvert, that's the way they are. But you can't change an introvert to an extrovert. And if a person's born sensitive, well, they're a sensitive person, but they're also a sensitive person is always sensitive to another person's um, feelings as well, which is a good thing. So... I think a lot of people or bullies look at a person who's sensitive as someone who's vulnerable and they hone in on them like yeah, like a fly to a barbecue. They're there. They can smell the meat cooking and that's it. They're on to them and they're not going to let them go until they've destroyed them. Yeah, like thinning out the weak of the herd or some stupidity like that. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, it's, it's 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 a it's a really weird phenomenon, and and for so long, and I know that it's changing. Thankfully, I've seen it within corporations and within business. Um, but for the longest time, it was it was almost expected in the workplace for for management and those in positions of power to be tough on their employees and on staff. And it was, it was almost encouraged for employees to, to fight for a position. Um, and I find that a really odd way of looking at business. I would think that your employees and your team would function more efficiently if they had a family feel, if they wanted to uplift and inspire and encourage each other as opposed to tearing somebody down so that you can get ahead. Mm. And and it's not even that alone where bosses think that they have to be tough to get you to do the employees to do what they need done. It's not just that because my bullying was um, actually by managers and HR department and it wasn't to get me to work harder or do a better job because I um, but it was more their entertainment. They just found it funny. Um, and it, it was an ongoing joke to see how long somebody would last in, in that role that I was in. Um, and it was just the, the culture of that company. And unfortunately, the culture of that company, um, yeah, destroyed everything that I was working for. But at the same time, I didn't. Uh, I was strong enough to say no. You're not going to. And um, even though it was a really hard situation for me to get out of, and um, I just didn't give up the fight. And so the fight continues for other people as well. That's that's. I won't give up helping other people. And that was the vow that I made when um, when you go from having everything basically to nothing just because of somebody wanting entertainment um, at, at your expense. Um, and I, I honestly didn't want to be around. I'd sit on Manly Beach and look at the cliff and I couldn't walk up to the top of it because I was in an orthopedic boot with the broken foot. But that was where I was destined to go. And, um, and I don't want anyone to go through that again. And that's when I um, made a vow that, I would see that nobody else went through that again and um, fortunately I feel like I've been guided and I've now got my um, not-for-profit centre and, and getting there. So how did, how did you switch over from, okay, this sucks, to, okay, this is an opportunity for me 
to to make a difference because that's a pretty big mental shift. That's huge. Yeah, and a lot of people ask me that, and it's hard for me to explain. I what I would do is I'd walk in the only set of clothing I had left um, down to Manly Beach every day, and I would just sit there with a piece of like a notebook I'd bought and a pen, and I'd just write everything down. And it was like I was getting everything out of my system that had happened to me. So I was caught between two worlds. I'd look at the cliff and think, yep, that's where I'm going to go as soon as I can get up there. And then another part of me was saying, no, I'm not. I'm going to fight. I'm not going to let them win. Um, And I guess eventually, I don't know, it was like something said to me, have faith. And I did. And, And that's when the switch happened. It was like, no, I'm not going to let them end my life too too early. And yeah, and that's basically when I, I decided that um, if I'm going through this, then other people are, and it's not fair. Absolutely not. It's some kind of... And, and, and I, I certainly don't mean to imply that figuring out where things came from is even important. But it has boggled my mind sometimes. How does how does that happen in in a group that really would appear to me that community was so important to our survival as a group, and that we're built that way, and and that where this sudden you know oh you're not good enough out came from because it, it it just doesn't it's, it's never made any sense to me even when I was a kid and was the one being bullied and being told by you know different parents, different advice on the, how to handle that, you know, like, oh, well, just don't react, they'll get bored, and, you know, other ones saying, well, just kick his butt, and, you know, <clears throat> actually say it that nicely, but. Yeah, there's all those strategies, and um, they may have worked when, well, maybe when I was younger, um, but they don't work now, so that's what I try to do now is, um we teach people confidence and assertiveness and um, and how good they are. Like, um, head. Oh. Nikki? Back every week, it's yes, struggling with anxiety. Oh. Sorry? Yeah. We're, we're struggling with anxiety. I had a little breakup. Little internet breakup. <laughs> oh, we're all together again. Okay. Yeah. So basically, yeah. If if we um, rather than the strategies of um, giving them a punch in the mouth back or just ignore them or whatever, none of that works. So, um, well, what I feel is, and what we're doing is to teach people um, assertiveness and confidence and self-esteem and and let them reinforce back to them that they are human being that they belong and they don't deserve to be treated like that um, is our way of um, empowering people and uh, yeah, and getting them back into the world of depression and I'm not good enough and I might as well not be here because I'm of no use to anyone, that type of thing, which is what bullies uh, will make them feel. Right, so it's all about building up their sense of self-worth. Exactly. 
like they have rights. Nobody has the right to take away another human being's um, identity, um, their future, because um, you know bullying can be can have such an impact on a person's life. It can change their whole future for them. What they may have wanted to do as a career, they may after being bullied think, yeah, I'm not good enough to do that, and and that's really sad. I think. That, that that's taken away and that's how I felt when I was studying criminal law it was like oh they've taken away my degree I only did 12 months and um, yeah that's feeling of worthlessness I've had no purpose in this life so you're you're walking the streets and you don't have a home mm. yeah. now you don't have a job. You've got a no. broken foot, so you're in a cast. Yeah. So how does it happen that somebody who is is homeless, jobless, and and physically broken? Mm. How does one in that situation manage to launch a not-for-profit organization? Because it's a pretty daunting task, launching a not-for-profit. I don't know if our, our listeners are aware of all the uh, the red tape and the hoops that one has to jump through in order to make it and actually have it be a success. Because you didn't just launch a not-for-profit. You actually opened up a center. That's right. Um Yeah, I think it was just, I don't know, I just made that vow that I would... Basically, on the beach that day, I just said, if you get me, I looked up to the sky and I just said, if you get me through this, I promise to dedicate my life to helping others. And I got through it somehow. I started getting jobs here and there and that type of thing, started saving every single cent I could get with the idea of what I wanted to build. And um, it wasn't easy. It took me a few years. Um, a not-for-profit doesn't come easily, and there is so much red tape as well. But somehow, I don't know, when you make a promise, you just do it. You abide, I don't know, you honour it. And um, and I did. And, and sometimes I pinch myself and think, well, I look in my training room and my office and... And, and I think, gosh, I've come so far, and you wonder how you've done it. But I really, truly believe I was guided and, and looked after. And I think my brother up there, um, he had a lot to do with it. And that's why I dedicated it to his memory. And a, a lot of people might say, oh, she's off with the fairies thinking like that. But that's how I feel. Well, I don't think so at all. I think that that little voice inside your head that was saying, no, you have a purpose in life was probably, you know, your brother was bringing your ear and saying, what are you doing, Kate? You can't be jumping off a cliff. You have, you have something to do, you know? Mm. We have a long time, um, time for all that. <laughs> <laughs> you have a job to do, woman. No, no jumping off cliffs for you. Not today. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it hasn't been easy. I, I probably make everything sound easy, and uh, but it's taken years to get get it up and running, and to get government recognition in Australia, and to get recognition by the school. That's very, very difficult 
in Australia to get any sort of um, any sort of thing happening within a, in a school, but I've managed to do that, and I've managed to do it with one of the best schools in Australia as well. So, um, yeah, again, I, I just feel like it's, um, I'm guided. Like this is meant to be. What I went through, um, it's no good me feeling, oh poor me or poor my. Um, I took what happened and I used it as a positive. I used it as an experience to make a positive difference. Right. That's kind of like, you know, alchemy, really. You're an alchemist. Well, it's it's definitely one of those situations of, hey, somebody ought to do somebody something. Oh, wait, I'm somebody. Exactly. Mm. We we talk often about how, you know, if, if even 10% of the times that Folks said to themselves, you know, somebody ought to do something about that. And then would yeah. just stop and go, I'm somebody, and do something about it. Because we tend to experience and or notice the things that we're actually going to be able to make a difference about. And um, not that I recommend that anybody go through what you've been through just so that they can have compassion for people. But sometimes that empathy is hard to have if you haven't had the experience because you just can't believe it could be that bad. Exactly. Uh, I know that's true with many of the experiences I've had in my life. You just, wow, it really? Wouldn't believe mm-hmm. it. <clears throat> and it's like when Nikki first opened up and she, you were saying like um, about the lady in the grocery store and and you were contemplating like thinking about keeping your mouth shut and not sticking your nose in and so forth. Well, we actually need more people to start opening their mouths and sticking their nose in and um and and saying to people like what you're doing to somebody is not nice like cut it out um and and having that cash because i think i mean i wasn't there at the grocery store but from what i was listening to what it was saying to me is that you actually calmed the, the woman down who was getting a little bit uptight and aggressive maybe and it prevented the checkout lady from being abused and the woman in front from um, feeling so stressed and so forth. So I think if people see, some, witness somebody being bullied or intimidated or, or, or just being abused for no reason at all because of their accent, their colour of their eyes or whatever, um, I think that is going to be a big step to um, stopping people from bullying as well. Like we, we have to outweigh the bullies and and start saying enough is enough and, and people stop being bystanders and looking the other way. Yeah, it, it, absolutely, I agree. And in all fairness, I don't think it had anything to do with the color of her skin. Um, I think it was just, to be quite honest, I think the elderly woman was in pain. She was tired and she was super annoyed that this woman was standing in a line that was for one to eight items when she had more than eight items. And it was like, Mm. it was becoming a really big deal for her in her little world. And I was more concerned, even though, you know, I noticed the woman in front of me was getting, was getting angsty and kept looking back. Like, is she going to start yelling at me any minute? Um, But I was more concerned about the welfare of the woman behind me because she was headed down this this kind of self-destructive path. I could see her working her way into a really crappy day. I really mm. could. I was, I was watching her getting more and more agitated. I was like, you know, 
is it worth it? And that's why that question came out, because that's what I think to myself when I'm out and about in the world and something's irritating me, I have to take a minute sometimes to just think to myself, is it worth it? Is it worth it Mm -hmm. to allow somebody else's actions to dictate my reactions? And quite frankly, Mm -hmm. it's not. You know, so that that was kind of where that was coming from. Um, I, I didn't expect the outcome that I got. I was just hoping to distract her long enough to let the other woman get out of the store. Um, you know, but the fact that everybody left smiling and happy and joyful and have a nice day and it was nice to meet you and all of that stuff, mm. I, I was, it was a very pleasant surprise. Yeah. Yeah, and that, that's what I'm saying. If, um, more and more people speak up and, and make others see how they're coming across to other people, then it can... Um, it can probably prevent anything from escalating into something that could be quite negative and harmful to other people. Right, it's that in, that train sorry. syndrome. Well, it, it, I don't mean to interrupt you, but it seems it. I call it the train syndrome. You 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 get momentum going down a track of thought, a train of thought, and it becomes hard to stop. Really. Mm-hmm. Because you're yeah. every thought, and then because of the way you're thinking, you interpret everything that happens now as being more against that, and pretty soon you're headed down this track at a bazillion miles an hour, and it takes something a little more sometimes than just, excuse me, it takes something more like, you know, is it worth it? And, 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 and mm-hmm. like your, your train stops, and you go, what? And then you look around, and you go, oh, I don't want to go here. Because I don't yeah. think people generally do. Um, but they get on the train and get blinders on or something. They don't see where they're going until they run into the wall. Mm. Yeah, it, exactly. And um, and it's easy to become that way unintentionally because when what happened to me and I'd think about all the lovely furniture I had and all my lovely clothes and whatnot that I didn't have any longer, um, it was quite easy for me to become a bully and I probably would have um, only that I used to ask over and over, don't let me become a bad person. But I hated the world and I hated everybody in it when I was in my situation as well. So, um, And that was only because of what had happened to me. And so it's very easy when you're bullied um, to become negative and to, to hate everybody and everything. Mm. And, um, and that's why... A part of my course is also is anger management management and it's for people who some of them may not be aware that they're even bullies but they are and they're causing so much heartache to other people from their aggressive behaviors and talk and tone of voice and so forth so um, we don't judge people as bullies and you're a bad person and the rest of it but we'd like to help them and say, well, this is how people perceive you and this is how they feel threatened and blah, blah, and and try and change the way they talk so they can start then making good friends, but true friends, not just acquaintances. And, um, uh, yeah, so we, we, I, don't, I don't hate bullies or I don't want to um, send them to the other side of the earth because I could have quite easily became, become a bully myself. Um, I was becoming a very... hmm? Tell you a little secret, Kate. I was. 
And it's because in the first years, in my grade school, during grade school, in my first couple of years, my first year of high school, I was bullied. Mm-hmm. And so by the end of high school, my my reaction to being bullied was to toughen up and be the tough one. Mm-hmm. And so now I can I can really appreciate both sides of the coin, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And and so when I look at young people who are doing the bullying, my immediate thought is, okay, where along their journey did somebody come along and convince them that they had to take their power from other people? Because that's, that to me is the core cause of, of this kind of behavior, is that somewhere along the way, this young child has been taught that their power is not their own, and it can be taken from them at any time, which means that in order for them to maintain their power, they have to take it forcibly from others. And they have to defend it with everything they've got. So Best that defense is a good offense. Again. Absolutely. Hmm. Yes, yeah, that's exactly right. And um, that's another thing that we look at as well at Beyond a Joke is that with the, the young ones, not, I'm not talking about the adults at the moment, but just the young ones for the second, um, adults have a, a way of um, enforcing rules on children that they must follow and sort of standing over them a little bit as well. So we actually teach the teenagers how to be assertiveness with adults as well um, and not be pushed around uh, um, and, and bullied as well by the, the adults. So um, it, it's, I, guess, I guess everybody needs training. And well, and, and, and trains need breaking. I, <clears throat> I had an experience with a uh, fellow that was, uh, he was teasing me more than bullying me, I, but it was all, you know, that same energy. And I did. I finally took, uh, you know, the advice I was given, and I caught him one day uh, at the playground and proceeded to just beat on him. <clears throat> And, um, which is strange. It's really the only time I've much done that. Um, and we became fast friends after that. And he had a home environment where he was preyed upon heavily by both parents, really. Uh, you know, his dad picked on him miserably, and his mother sort of didn't think he was worth it since he couldn't stand up to his dad and um and it's something i think takes consciousness to break from being handed down from generation to generation um yeah because you particularly when you're young you start to just you know well the, all the big people i see in my world which can be very small when you're when you're quite young you know all the big people that this is how they do that must be what they do on this planet you know, strange, strange bunch, but, you know, okay, I'll play. And um, so it's, it's important, I think, to, to look at both sides, but to, but it takes, it, it takes both the, you know, the abuser and the victim to make the, to make the recipe, because the abuser is 
often been victimized to get it started. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and yeah, and that that's what I was saying when I was um when I was homeless. Um, yeah, I hated everybody. Um, it, it, and I was becoming a bad person, and yeah, you just you just hate it. Um, but somehow I, I it's kind managed of a, to get it's kind of, kind of a snowball effect too, isn't it, Kate? I mean, you 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 exteriorize that that inner pain, and you you pour it onto other people, and then you hate yourself even more for what you've done. Mm. Because I don't think it's ultimately a natural state for human beings to to hurt other human beings. I think it's against our nature to do that. So when we do it, there's something within us that that cringes. You know, the the Mm. little kid inside us cringes and cowers in the corner and goes, I hate you for being so mean. Mm. Um, And so we start beating up on ourselves and then because we're beating up on ourselves, we start beating up more on other people and it's just this horrible, horrible snowball effect that, you know, you, you literally have to stand in the path of the snowball and, and, and let it break around you to get to the core of, of the little tiny pebble that started that in the first place. Mm, yeah, exactly. And... Yeah, and we never know what somebody's been through, and um, yeah, so that's why I'm I'm not all for becoming um, like a vigilante and and putting somebody giving somebody a label as a bully and and sending them off, um, you know, banishing them somewhere because we never know what they have been through, and they're probably just screaming out for help. Because they don't want to be like that. Well, and like Nikki said, you know, she had gotten it hard when she was young. Somebody, you know, had somebody helped her as a victim of bullying when she was young, then she wouldn't have been there when she was out of high school. You're going to be the uh, knock your block off person. You know. Actually, by the time I got to college, I, I had managed to find find people who, I mean, I got lucky, I think. Um, but there was there was a couple years during high school where where taking it out on others seemed the easier way. Now I got I got lucky, and and some of those people who were the friends who brought me out of it are still in my life today. Um, cool. But I remember well, you know, I remember well thinking that the tougher I am, the the harder it is for, the less likely it is that people are going to try and hurt me if I have this reputation for being tough, if I hang out with tough people, if I hang out with scary people. And I did do that mm. for a couple of years. Um, yeah. And... and and I thought that was a good thing. I thought for for a long time, oddly enough, I thought that was something to brag about. Mm. And uh, looking back on it now, I think, wow, what a scared little girl I was. Yeah, but you were only protecting yourself the best way you knew how. And 
I don't know if you have it in America and Canada, but um, we have a lot of road rage in Australia. So uh, people, yeah. you know, parents in um, in cars and the kids in their back seat and somebody cuts in on the front of someone or, or they don't use their blinker or something and the next thing they get out of their car and they the cars are stopped at the traffic lights and they'll go up and they'll bash someone in the head or start verbally abusing them because they didn't put their blinker on and and, and kids are witnessing this and watching adults do all this so um, yeah I think adults need to they, they should be the role models for the kids and maybe if some adults change their behaviours then the, the kids will change theirs as well automatically yeah but it's it, it, it's wonderful that there are uh, programs like yours and folks like you to sort of, you know, catch those kids uh, mm. that are in the situation where the adult has not been able to stop it or, uh, you know, correct the example that they're given because uh, because it is it's like a chain. It, 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 it any one link can can sort of stop this snowball effect, but uh, uh, mm. when it's not dealt with, because you know, the bully goes out and bullies several. And so then, you know, then there's several that grow up to be adult bullies and pretty soon everybody can be pretty angry. Um, yeah. It's about time we, uh, we've we actually sailed right past our middle time. Uh, we yeah. do that often with important subjects. Um, and so, uh, Firebird? Sure. I think. That sounds appropriate. Yeah, I think that sounds appropriate. Uh, rising from the ashes in in brilliant and blazing glory uh, for, uh, well, who says the Phoenix has to be a girl? Tis on our <laughs> show. <clears throat> Tis on our show, but, you know, we all a little Phoenix energy, good, good for what ails you. So this is our friend Ina V with her song, Firebird. We'll be right back, folks. Stick with us. I am a snake. Watch 
And welcome back, everybody. Again, that was our friend Ina V. And you can find her at www.enavie.com. And uh, you should check her out. She's got lots more cool music where that came from. She does. Cool music about so. Firebird. Oh, yeah. So hot it's cool. Oh, we're so cool it's hot. Which way is I don't know. So we're back. Yes, with? we are. We're back with our <laughs> friend Kate Bennington. Well, I thought somebody was going to say something. Why is this? I we're just having one of those moments of silence. I'm sure there's something that happened somewhere that needed one. But we're back with uh, Kate, and we're talking about uh, Beyond a Joke, uh, yeah. and uh, and an important topic, the important topic of bullying. And not not to be confused with teenage bullying or this kind of bullying or just bullying because it's not just an isolated thing, you know, between the ages of 12 and 14 or something. No, it goes well and truly into adulthood as well, in the workplace and anywhere within the community. Well, and it only makes sense because those same teenagers are the ones that grow up and they're the ones in the workplace and in the, and, and something like that that's left unhealed can really kind of, you know, be a mess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, so are, uh, you, are you only offering programs for for young people at the moment or are you thinking about or offering programs for, for adults as well? Mm. I'm working with a clinical psychologist at the moment and we're putting together adult programs as well, especially for within the workplace because it's quite um, here in Australia. I don't know why the reason, but so we are doing it for adults as well. That's awesome. So I'm just curious, um, we, we find oftentimes doing this show that, I mean, because your situation is so interesting that you were actually living on the streets and homeless mm-hmm. when you decided to do this. So have you have you found along your journey that people have just kind of come when you needed them? Are there any stories that pop out? Because I, I don't understand you're working on your autobiography right now. So so there has yeah. to be a story there. Uh, that's nearly completed. And, yeah, all my life, um, for some reason, um, if I needed someone or something, it, it, it came to me. And um, not always easily, it wasn't. But it, some, if I, I didn't give up, things happened for me. So I have a tendency not to give up. And yet this has taken a, a few couple of years. Um, but it, yeah, it's like uh, whatever I need. If I need a, a really good counsellor for the kids, I get one. I need a really good psychologist for the adults. Um, and I've found one. And um, 
so it's all coming together and uh, I needed the government to start supporting me, the Australian government, and finally they're starting to take notice of me and starting to support me and n not financially yet, that's a bit hard to get money out of them, but um, the, recommending me to schools and so forth and sending me letters asking me to keep them updated on what I'm doing and to keep them updated when I start doing workplace bullying and so forth. So eventually I hope that the, the government will support me a little bit financially as well um, because at the moment I've put everything I've had, I had in the bank into this. So um, it would be nice to get something back. No, have, you, have you found... Sorry. Oh, I was just <laughs> say I can't see how that wouldn't be coming with uh, what you're doing, and just I just keep trucking. It's got to be coming because yeah, you know it, it's such a a needed service. And and a way of me um, to stopping the the cycle of bullying, um, I felt um, a way of stopping it was to start doing um, lots of volunteering and fundraising with within local communities for people that needed it. So um, I had to become a not-for-profit so I can give people receipts and then they can claim it on their tax and so forth. But I thought a domino effect of kindness throughout the communities would um, would stop, would stop help to stop or prevent bullying as well in the future. Um, so just say Joe Blow needs a, a new wheelchair, he's on a waiting list, for five years, he can't afford one. So we will ask a business to donate one of their services or products and from that we will go out and raise funds, get him his new wheelchair and then the business gets lots of advertisement and so forth. And so everyone becomes a winner and that's that um, mindset of helping each other um, will outweigh that mindset of um, aggression and bullying each other to get your own way is, is is what I think may um, help to stop bullying as well or prevent it. Well, it certainly sounds like a good way to do it because uh, you're 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 involving the entire community and you're not focusing so much when you're when you're doing that. You're taking the energy away from let's stop this horrible thing that's happening. I'm putting it on to let's do this wonderful thing for this person who needs our help. And I exactly. think that's the shift that we need right now on on a large scale. It, it has so much to do with our perception and where we put our attention. I mean, we could spend a lifetime focusing on all the things that are going wrong, but why not put our energy into creating solutions mm. and 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 making things creating things you know making them go right because <laughs> that makes sense to me so if you're encouraging members within the community to to get involved and to commit random acts of kindness because we like those random acts of kindness are awesome um, people should people should commit them more often uh, you know that that speaks a lot about how how to really get to the heart of the problem, which is essentially I think human beings want to feel like they're worth something. And, and when they're able to use 
their gifts, their talents, their them to help others. Mm. It changes the way that they look at the world. Yeah, exactly. And 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 it's very healing. If you're hurting and you help somebody else, it's very healing for you as well as a person. Um, it it doesn't take away whatever pain you're going through, but it takes a little bit of the focus off your pain, and um, and it just makes you feel really good when you see, oh wow, that little boy or girl. They, they can now hear you because I volunteered to um, to raise funds for that little for them to go for an operation overseas where that's the only place they can get the operation again. It's very very healing to um, to help other people. So that's why I think that um, the uh, the volunteering fundraising part of it that I've built into the service um, is going to be a very very um, big preventative um, against bullying. Well, it sounds like it, it sounds like an absolutely wonderful addition to a traditional anti-bullying or, or you know, I, I I don't like using that word anti-bullying because I mean, really, well, it, almost, yeah. it almost implies you have to. It helps empower that chain of you have to yeah. be bigger and badder and tougher so that you can stop the bully, and yeah. and that doesn't I mean, gain anything. It's the it's the healing and the community, the sense of community. Yeah. Because uh, I think wherever there's a strong sense of community that's full of respect and 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 acceptance, um, and and fairness that. It's just bullying can't thrive under those conditions. I just don't think it can. No, and I made it an actual um, separate entity. Even though it's the, all the one centre, I actually made um, it a separate entity and I, I've named it the um, Community Spirit Lifters Program. So it's basically lifting the spirits of the community Um even though it's a part of Beyond a Joke Anti-Bullying Centre, it is a, a separate entity. So it's all um, completely not-for-profit. Beyond a Joke makes no money from it. It's it's just our way of um, giving back to the community, I guess. I think it's an awesome program. I really do. Yeah, and it's so like are you, you getting... Saying... I'm sorry. No, I was just... Go ahead. Oh, it was just like you were saying earlier um, about a smile at a stranger and and some gentle words. Um, Sometimes, you know, you don't have to part with five cents to help another human being. Just a simple smile and, um, you know, get off the bus and tell them to have a nice day and and things like that is um, sometimes all somebody needs. And, um, yeah, and it can be life-changing for them depending on how they're feeling and what their thoughts are and what they're going through. Well, and I think it can be planet-changing. You know, I, I, I think a lot of people have seen these ads and uh, commercials and videos where they somebody does a random act of kindness and then you see that person and you see this, like, chain reaction that goes through the day. Um, mm. I think that the, the negative interactions sometimes can do that as well. And... Um, uh, 
that's the difference is that those negative, you know, somebody made me nervous and anxious, so now I'm going to bark at you, so now you're going to bark at them. Mm. I think more and more often people are recognizing that the way that you handle that is you just you stop and take a breath and don't bark on and and uh, and instead turn it around and uh what an amazing what an amazing turnaround personally professionally socially goodness gracious just turn around which is cake. which is not to say of course that you know we're not ever going to be in a bad mood we're not ever going to be grumpy i mean and that's one of the things that we have to acknowledge as truth as well i think it's we have a right as humans to to feel our emotions whatever those emotions might be um, however we also have this amazing thing called free will and choice and so you know, I found that when I am in one of those moods where I'm like, I'm going to get them, I just remove myself from people yeah. so that I don't take that and, and put it on to somebody else. You know, as Richard can attest, if if I'm right pissy waking up in the morning, I'll just be like, yeah, no, I'm not going to play right now and I will be back in half an hour mm-hmm. I'm just going to take a time out and I think that I think that we have to recognize that that's okay to do that and and mm. society for for the most part hasn't really allowed that to be a reality in in our recent past you know I mean we're supposed to grin and bear it and fight through it and 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 all of that and mm. and I think that I think that's really dishonoring the truth of the human spirit, which is sometimes stuff's going to hurt. And why mm. can't you just let me be hurt yes. for a few minutes? You know, mm. let me take my time to be hurt or to be angry. Yeah. And, and everybody has a right to um, to own their their feelings. like, and, and you should own your feelings because that's a part of being assertive and saying, well, what you just said hurt me. You may not have meant it, but I need some time out. Just let me be by myself for a little bit, um, so you can dissect it and think about it. But if somebody's there saying, "Oh, you know, um, get over it," blah blah blah, well, it just you you can't. You just um, it's human nature. We need to dissect and let it all go through and, and think about it, and and then come out. Well, okay, they didn't mean it, or. Um, they said it, it hurt, and it's over and done with. But, yeah, everyone has a right to own their own feelings, and they should own their feelings as well and speak up when somebody hurts them. And you can do that in a nice way. You know, you can just say, look, I don't know if you meant to hurt me, but that was really hurtful, blah, blah, blah. There's no need to be aggressive about it. Yeah, it's not the, you know, fighting fire with fire thing anymore. Mm. And... You know, I'm a big fan of Abraham Hicks, and they they talk about, you know, listen, I'm really angry at you right now. I don't know why I'm angry at you, because I don't like to be angry, because it's not who... I'm going to go over here and straighten out my vibration, and when I come back, we'll talk about this, because it's it's what you have to do. And yeah. Um, yeah. I remember... I remember my parents doing that from the time I was a kid. They would get really start to, if one of them started to get angry, they would just kind of shut things down and we would handle it later. And um, it was a great example to have because without that, life can get really, I've gotten really 
angry and pissy <laughs> in my life, mm. even with that example. So I hate to think what it would be like with the opposite example to, to you know, what kind of a hill to climb. Yeah. And, and it was like I was saying before about road rage here. It's like, you know, someone forgets to turn their blinker on and you had to put on the brake quickly. Like... <laughs> get over it it's like it happened that you don't know what's on their mind they probably didn't mean to well they wouldn't have meant to do it there's no need to get out of the car and start abusing them or, or hitting them or whatever it's, um yeah it's, it's owning that feeling i'm really angry he just did that but there's no need to go and and have an argument about it is or it worth it really or, or how does it sound yeah. when you say it nikki is it worth it Mm. You know, is it worth it? I don't know know what. (laughs) She gets that little slightly, I don't know if it's Canadian, Irish, or what, eh? That when she's telling stories, never on on command, but you know, what is it worth it? Something, I don't know. But I could just imagine this little, you know, five foot tall, you know, little thing. Well, is it worth it? Well, what are they going to do, you know? <laughs> oh, well, of course, and it's not. <laughs> uh, but it's, but it is. It's, it's that, that sort of thing, I'm convinced, stops not just that incident, but, but it could have been a chain of 20 more incidents that day, you know? And, and so it's a really, you never know that that one kind word that one stopping the train before it gets going so fast that you know we've all i've been there where i'm just uh, well i could i could see, up. I I could tell. see the I've, train dude i could see the train pulling into the station and just you know bowling down a whole bunch of people in its path it was like i had this vision in my head of of you know, the lady behind me was going to say it loud enough the lady in front of me was going to get offended she was going to open her mouth. There was going to be words. The poor lady behind the counter was going to get caught in the middle. The crossfire. And then by the time the lady behind me finally got to check out her stuff, goodness gracious help the poor lady behind the counter if somebody happened to come up with bottles that needed to be cashed in at the same time. You know what I mean? So Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> I was like, this is going to go south quick. I can see it now. Stop. Stop. We don't have to go north again, um, but could we go west or something? Stop this. It's going back. Right? I just, yeah. It, it, um, but it, it's just the little things, I think, because I, you know, maybe it's it's selfish of me, but I didn't want my day ruined. <laughs> I was like, y'all, I'm in the middle. Y'all I'm can't be over my head. <laughs> I know you can see each other over my five-foot-nothing head, but I don't want you fighting over me, you know? I mean... <laughs> Yeah, oh, it's, it's that it's that syndrome again of you know somebody should do something. Oh yeah, somebody. And, uh, and certainly, uh, Miss Kate is is somebody because this is uh, this is amazing, really uh, amazing stuff. Yeah, I'm still stuck on the whole like going from being homeless to running homeless with a broken foot. To, I'm just gonna oh. handle this. I mean, I know it didn't happen overnight, but really, that it could happen at all. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. it's amazing what can happen in your life um, from experiences like that. 
I mean, there was more than just becoming homeless. I um, Just so I could go to work, I went to the doctor because I was starting to have anxiety attacks from the bullying and he put me on Xanax. And, of course, that's a very highly addictive anti-anxiety drug and previously I didn't even take a Panadol for a headache. And anyway, I became addicted to that and ended up in rehab for three Xanax. Um, all of that because of bullying and prescribed a, a drug just so I could go to work and handle the bullying. So it, it was, wow. you know, there's a lot to it that's happened. Oh, yeah. Well, and but it's... Yeah, we don't want to get on the society and the pill soapbox, but... No, you know, and there's, that, there's Well, but the kid can't pay attention at school. We had a pill for that. It Way before the we had this whole, there's an app for that, Somebody tried this whole, there's a pill for that, and, and society needs to get away from that. It just doesn't solve anything, uh, not no, in the long run. They can be very important in, in short running as a, as a gateway to healing, but wow. It, it, how, we, how we got there? <laughs> well, what should have happened was really all I needed to be was introduced to meditation and using the power of the mind because as soon as I got off that silly tablet, um, that allowed me to go to work and make a living. Um, I I started to explore myself and use meditation and using the power of my mind and, um, to help me get back to to the person I I was or almost. And um, yeah, so well, and and that it sometimes it's true that when we feel like crud and just can't face something. That there's something wrong with the situation, not us. It, we don't need a pill. <laughs> we, you know, it. it uh, some things are not supposed to feel good because they're not okay. Yeah, yeah. I was just thinking. And, uh, that, I mean, who gives somebody a pill so that they can go to work to be abused? Exactly. That's so. Yeah. That's to make it so that you can live with that. To, that's just. It's jacked up. It's wonky. <laughs> but it's that it's that again one of those how did we get this far down the rabbit hole of that that's how you know I don't know if it was when we were you know kids you learned that you know well grown ups don't let that stuff bother them and this that and the other and so then when we grew up and it still bothered us we looked for I I don't know how uh, exactly but it was a fascinating you know turn somehow society decided that you know when something seemed crappy that we needed to be put to sleep more or something. I don't know. Because sometimes it seems crappy because it's crappy. Okay, people? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think um, antidepressants are... Um, they're pres- as well. Medication because sometimes people do need it. So I'm not saying that you shouldn't take medication, but I'm just saying that um, I think sometimes they're prescribed far too quickly, as was in my case. Had I been shown the alternative, um, I would not have gone down that path and had that experience. But again, I learnt from that experience, so I don't judge anyone now who um, who is addicted to some sort of substance because I went through it. So. Yeah, it's easy to do. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. it's... A- yeah. It's an easy dwindling spiral that just makes itself worse and worse. It's very easy to do. I've been down that road like three times, and you'd think after twice, would you? 
come on now. But uh, then I croaked. I seem better now. Uh, yeah. It, it seems yeah. to help. It, the it's, croaking thing. It's uh, easy though when you when you get into a situation where where you feel like you're completely out of control and where are you going to turn? I mean, we turn automatically to people who are in positions of authority. So we turn to our doctors, our psychiatrists, our, you know, these people who are in positions of power. In my case, even the police at one point, you know, I need help. And, and But then what happens when you don't get it? Is, is the problem, you see, because these people, too, are, are only human. And it's not some giant conspiracy to dumb us all down. That's a ridiculous notion, and I don't know where anybody came up with, and I wish they would just quit it, quit it and cut it out. Cut that out. It's yeah, just but that you, you get lost people, in the forest. You don't decide that the trees had a conspiracy against you. You're just lost, okay? You're just <laughs> Find lost. your way That's out. The thing, right? The thing is, is that these people who are in these occupations are also human beings, and so they have gone through a, a, a series of, of educations, and you know, I mean, the whole the whole thing indoctrinated into the system. They have been taught that a certain thing works a certain way, and so that is what they in turn teach others. So again, it's it's not like they're conspiring to 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 medicate us all and dumb us down. It's just simply that's what they are convinced works because that's mm. what they were taught works. Yes, and and, so and they that's what don't happens. know any different. They yeah. just don't know no better. So we have, um, beyond a joke, has alcohol and drug education as well um, from those experiences. So we we sort of go through all that as well. Like um, We're not doctors or anything that, because somebody might need medication. Um, we're not against it or anything, but we give other people other alternatives to try as well before they go down that road of antidepressants and anti-anxiety and all that other sorts of drugs as well. Um, so again, from my experience, uh, I don't look at it as negative. I look at it as um, it was a horrible experience, especially coming off them. Um, but it, yeah, it, it was an experience that now I can teach others. This is what I went through. Um, but had I tried um, the power of my mind first, I may not have ended up in rehab and addicted and and so forth. Um, but I'm not saying that people shouldn't take drugs at all because if somebody has bipolar or whatever else, then they actually they obviously need medication. So um, for well, somebody and, who's and suffering, there, there's we talk about it on our Fibro Friday bit that Vicky does such a great job with about having a a healing team. Uh, yes. You know. Yeah, some, well, it has to be this and that. Yeah, because if you're that. Suffering really bad anxiety, you might have real trouble getting a meditation practice started. But, yeah. you know, three days or five days or even a week of something like Xanax could help you boost that along without giving it to you long enough as some sort of replacement for yeah. your own internal peace. Instead, use it as a doorway, as a bridge. Then I think they can be extraordinarily effective. 
Um, exactly. you know, and, she talks, and she the talks key, often the about the that, pain cycle with painkillers. Right. Well, the key, key to that is that I discovered that when it came to my medications, when it came time for me, because this is what I encourage everybody to do when you're talking about a holistic healing approach, be it for emotional trauma or physical trauma, it's all the same, really. You need to take a holistic approach. But people have this idea that they're going to go to their Western medical doctor and they're going to tell them that they're trying this thing and their doctor's going to tell them that they're crazy and here, no, take more pills. That was not my experience and that's why I tell people so often about it. My doctor was so excited and enthusiastic about me taking whatever steps I needed to take to get off the medication that he not only gave me his full support, but he also began to document the progress and and would would celebrate with me when I would come in for my checkups and and the the insane progress that I was making with this this holistic approach as opposed to what he was doing just with the medication alone he was so excited every time I went to see him and that's why I encourage people like you said Kate that it it can be okay to take the medications for a short period of time but here's the thing. Don't be afraid to talk to your doctor. Don't be afraid to tell your doctor, this is a short-term solution for me. I don't want to be on these medications for life. I want to find alternative methods to get my life back on track. You would be amazed at how happy that's going to make your doctor because I don't think people go into medicine so that they can make money. I think people go into medicine because they really, truly care about the well-being of other people. This is how they believe they can help society. So if you go to them and you tell them that this is my goal and this is my my game plan, and they might even be able to suggest people within the community who can assist you on that journey as opposed to being afraid to tell your doctor that you want to try things like meditation. I, I mentioned meditation and and. and um, holistic healing practices to my doctor, he was through the roof with joy. He couldn't have been happier. He's like, I'm going to be so happy the day that you you, you don't know more pills for you. I, I, I didn't have the nerve to tell my neurologist, <laughs> and if that's not ironic, nerve neurologist, <laughs> I didn't have the nerve to tell my neurologist that I was moving to Costa Rica until I'd already been living there three months. Because I was convinced if I just went ahead and went that in three months I'd be so much better that, you know, he wouldn't be able to say much. And, and, I was not, you know, miraculously doing uh, running marathons. And so, gosh, how's this going to go? So I tell him I'm in Costa Rica and he says, yeah, you know, I've had two other patients move to Costa Rica and get better. I have no idea how that, why that is. You think about that. And when you come back, you, let's talk about it. Mm. What? I'm thinking, <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> this is a Western doctor. He's supposed to you know, oh, no, what are you seeing, a witch doctor? No, he thought it was great. And it has two other patients that have gotten better doing that. But mm. he has no earthly idea why, so he can't feels like he can't just say to somebody, well, you ought to try moving to Costa Rica. Because he's afraid, mm. like so many other doctors would be, that somebody would give him a different kind of white jacket, the kind yeah. that buckles in the back. You malpractice. Know? <laughs> yeah. That's the thing that they have to worry about, right? They have to be so concerned with things like malpractice suits and stuff, so they can't tell you that this is a good idea but at the same time if you approach them 
I think you'd be pleasantly surprised at, at their willingness to support you because I don't think that doctors want to see their patients on antidepressants for the rest of their life. No, I really there's don't. Some good... I don't believe that. No, there is some um, really good doctors out there and I think, as Richard said, it, it needs to be monitored and it needs to be short-term. Um, if it's not monitored, as in my case, and it's just there's your script off you go um then it leads to to um what happened to me yeah yeah well that that's not medical care in my that's not care in my opinion because they have to talk you have to talk to someone to care for them and i've seen that sadly and but i think that it's going away in in both the training of medical professionals and in the number of patients that have been willing to stand up and go, well, now, wait a minute, I want to talk about this before you consign me to death or, uh, you know, yeah. as and the that's case it. may be. I, th- I think it's up to the patients, and that's, that's why I talk about it so often is because I really, truly believe that if we want things to change within our healthcare system, it's up to us to, mm. to request those changes. I don't even want to use the word demand anymore. I think that conversation, a, a nice, pleasant, flowing, organic conversation about our different options is what's needed. And so if we can allow ourselves to, to take the risk of having that with our medical practitioners, then, you know, that's that's. The power is in us. It's not in it's not in the doctors. It's it's in us to make the choices that are best for us as individuals. Absolutely. Yeah. Can't wait for the world to change. Go ahead and change yeah. first. It's okay. And uh, yeah. it's amazing yeah. though you you know have this conversation. Uh, here we are at just about time. Uh, we have to get all the web links and everything from Kate first, but we're getting close to time. And where did we start this thing with that that uh, Canadian American singer lady with evolution of human consciousness through, only happens through dialogue and conversation? <laughs> hmm. I do that full circle True. thing again. How do we do that? I don't know how we do I don't that. No, I don't script the show, so I have no idea. It just happens. <laughs> We don't even know what time it is. Sometimes I just happen to look up at the screen sometimes and go, oh, my goodness, we're 10 minutes over, and we're not now. We're right smack on time. But uh, incredible work you're doing. Um, thanks so much for peeling away from it long enough to chat with us about it. Where can people find Thank out you. more? And um, and support it. Yeah. That's a big thing, too. You need the community support in order to be able to grow this foundation. And Yeah. It's um, www.beyondajoke.com.au is my website. And my email is info at beyondajoke.com.au. Right, beyondajoke.com.au. That's right, Mm -hmm. for all my American friends that haven't figured it out yet. There's other places in the world. It's beyondajoke.com.au for Australia. Um, if we were egalitarian about this controlling the Internet registration, you'd have to put .us after ours, but <clears throat> in, I don't think Oh, my goodness. Speaking of that, 
Y'all have some weird, weird commercials. I just want to point this out. I Uh-oh. heard this today in three different commercials, like right in a row. And my husband and I were laughing our asses off. So, and you know I love Americans because, well, my business partners are Americans and half our listeners are Americans and I think you guys are awesome. I sing with Americans and I have nothing against y'all, but your commercials are funny. We were listening to the radio today, three commercials in a row. We're an equal opportunity employer. Well, I just want to point out in Canada, we just call that being employers. That's right. <laughs> It, it, I have always said, if you have to point out, hilarious. You, you know, it's like when you're trying to be funny. If you have to say, hey, that was a joke, <laughs> it, it wasn't funny. Okay, so if you have to say you're an equal opportunity employer or something, it's not, what? <clears throat> that's like saying our milk is all natural. Well, I thought that's what the word milk meant. What did you people, what have you done? <laughs> You know, it just—I'm sorry. It just you—you—you said—you—you you said something, but yeah, and it, it just made me laugh because I was—I remember hearing that on the radio today while we were driving to town, and I thought that was the funniest thing I'd heard in the longest time. Yeah, yeah, we're we're uh, we're an interesting odd lot down here. Yes. <laughs> uh, sometimes I think some of the, in order to have the wild creativity that pulls off some of the wild stuff that at least the United States scientists and people used to do, um, I think you've got to have some of that color outside the lines that lets some of it be a little sloppy. Yeah, <laughs> just, yeah, absolutely. You want the, you, you want the immaculate? There's going to be some messy on the way, you know. Like it was, it was a Thomas Edison that blew up. He was working for the train. Uh, I think it was Thomas Edison was working for one of the railroads, and he blew up a caboose, so they fired him. <clears throat> and... Uh, yeah. But fortunately, it wasn't like, you know, okay, that was your try at inventing stuff. You're done now. You made a mess. And uh, Well, actually, it was an opportunity. He said he um, he decided that, okay, obviously, I'm not meant to work there. So he, instead of going back looking for a new job, he just decided to stay at home and invent stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so, you know, that to me is just there's Instead there's of finding yourself on... Geez, on the beach and saying, "All right, there's the cliff. I'm headed." Yeah. No, no. We're gonna we're gonna take a huge chunk out of a big problem. Be amazing. Absolutely. Okay, Angel awesome of the South. Stuff. Awesome stuff. <laughs> all right, so folks, go by and there and visit. And of course, you'll find the links and all of that good stuff at our site at EverydayConnection.me and information about all the other stuff that we're doing, uh, including uh, our morning show. We're having big fun with that. And uh, uh, that's where some of our pre-show banter... I keep saying that our that's what happened to our pre-show banter on the night show, but we banter anyway. We're radio hosts. Well, we talk a lot. Cool stuff <laughs> keeps coming. I know. It just keeps happening. It's like a snowball. I like it. So join us again for some more fascinating conversations like this and uh, join us in the morning show when we're waking up but until then to our mother to each other and especially to yourselves stay connected have a great now everybody
Join Jane and Rick again next time. Until then, visit their website at everydayconnection.me and subscribe for news and updates. Stop by their Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash everydayconnection and join the conversation. You can also subscribe on iTunes by searching for Everyday Connection Radio. Subscriptions are free, just like your Everyday Connection. selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee. You can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details. So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life. The only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details.